Good morning. It is still morning, isn't it? How are y'all doing today? Yeah, real good. I, uh, I'm in between a rock and a hard place this morning. I got a sermon up here on this screen, but I don't want to preach it. I kind of want to preach something else, but I don't know exactly what it is. And I'm not sure what to do. So we'll, uh, we'll think about it in a minute. See where we wind up. I hope you all are doing good. There's a question on the screen. Do I need to be rebaptized? This is a question uh, preachers hear uh, uh, occasionally. It's not something very, very common, but we do hear it occasionally. It usually comes from uh, sensitive people, people who have been uh, looking inside themselves. Uh, doubting uh, their self, uh, doubting their relationship to the Lord, and uh, they're sincerely wondering whether or not their baptism uh, is valid. And uh, I, I could see where, where that would uh, make people uh, very, very uncomfortable. Most of the people I've ever talked to who was in this position uh, had a hard, hard time uh, trying to know exactly what it is they should do. Uh, do I need to be rebaptized? Some look at that question and they think of all the silly things to talk about. There's important things that you ought to talk about, preacher. You ought to be talking about the love of God, grace of God. You ought to be talking about all these other matters that are so much more important. Uh, and I understand there's a lot of people that feel that way. But you know, uh, one of the things uh, that separates Churches of Christ from a lot of groups is our uh, emphasis on the Word of God. Uh, for us, uh, the Word of God is uh, very, very valuable. Uh, therefore, anything the Lord says is of the utmost importance. I don't see uh, a small issue if it issued from the mouth of Jehovah, if the Lord said it, it's important and it's something that we ought to understand. Uh, but some people, uh, they, they think it's uh, trivial uh, that we're trying to be hard to get along with, uh, that we look to pick fights with other people and, and all sorts of things. Uh, I'd like to talk about this uh, for a few moments, but uh, I can't. I just can't do it. I got a break from this one and try another one. Chris, can you pull up, uh, can you pull up John chapter 12, verse 48? Bear with me, please, because uh, Chris doesn't know what I'm doing, so he's got to go through and find this stuff. It's going to be just a little bit slower. But I want to make a point today that uh, I have to make or I'm going to lose my mind. The Lord Jesus is the person speaking on this occasion. He said, he who rejects me and receives, uh, does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now, the meaning is really simple. One day when you and I stand before the creator of, of all life, all substance, uh, we, we will be judged it's not going to be by what this church teaches you. It's not going to be by what I teach you. 
It's not going to be about what your mother or father believed. It, it doesn't matter what your family was into. Uh, you know, we get information from a lot of sources. We, we, we believe things. Many times, maybe even most of the times, we believe what we believe because this is what someone we admire believes. Now, the danger of that is this. I may not know if that person is right or wrong. If it's my parents, uh, I may not know if it's right or wrong. Uh, in order to know for certain if it's right or wrong, I'm going to have to go to the scriptures and see what the Lord has said about this matter. See if what mom and daddy told me was true. Is this what the Lord said? Or was I told something different? I have to have some type of verification that this is in fact the will of God. And if I, if I receive that verification and I believe it, then it's something I can, I can live by with a clear and honest conscience. I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. Now, why is it important? Because in the last day, the day of the judgment, when the Lord calls everybody up from the graves and we all gather together in his presence to be sentenced to life or death, the New Testament scriptures, the words of Christ, are going to be what judges me. I can say, but Lord, Mom and Daddy told me this and so. And, of course, being who he is, he, he knows. But that doesn't make it right. He, he could respond, I, John, I gave you my word. I told you what I wanted you to do. All you had to do was pick up your Bible and, and check it out for yourself. And you could have known the truth. And more important than that, John, had you investigated, you might have been able to teach your mama and daddy. And through your instruction, they may have learned that they were on the wrong course. They may have changed their way and they may have went on to eternal life, but but John, you took the easy way out. You just took it at their word. And they believed something that wasn't true. They followed that thing that wasn't true, and you did the exact same thing. But it didn't have to be that way. And what about your children, John? What did you do? You told your children the same thing your parents told you. Your parents were wrong, you were wrong, and your children are wrong. Your whole family was wrong, son, because... I gave you my word. And you didn't take the time to see whether or not what you believe was true or false. I wonder how often that will happen in the day of the judgment. I wonder. As a preacher, it terrifies me. Because it's my responsibility to make sure that you hear what God wants and help you understand what it is he has said. But you know what? When I do that, people get mad at me. 
I don't like people to get mad at me. People get angry because their feelings are hurt. What gives you the right to say that? Who appointed you king? I don't like you. You hate everybody. If it ain't your way, it's no way. And people are angry. I don't like people to get angry at me. Sometimes my family gets angry with me. Not my immediate family. I don't think. <laughs> but my extended family. Sometimes they get angry too. And there's a temptation. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna say it. I don't wanna say what I know is true. Because I know people I care for very, 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 very much are going to be angry once those words cross my lips. Because in many cases they're living in sin. And they're living in sin, convincing themselves that they're okay. They're okay. Their preacher said they were okay, and they believe they're okay. Then they'll get on this uh, internet thing and they'll listen to me, and I'll say something entirely different. And it's not what they want to hear. Because if I'm telling them the truth, that means they're living in sin. And that hurts their feelings. So what do you do? What do you do in a case like that? You know, you know that the word of God is that which will judge us. And we're either going to be living in harmony with it or not. You know that. And you know people need to know it. They need it to be explained to them. They need to understand what it is God has said. Oh, you're not trying to be a bad guy. Well, people might think you're trying to be a bad guy, but you're not trying to be a bad guy. The easiest thing to do is try to ignore it, don't say anything about it, and hope it passes by and nobody catches it. But that's not going to help anybody. You know, we're talking about people I love. We're talking about you. Some, no doubt, are living in sin. Some, no doubt, don't know what sin is in many cases and are committing sin without realizing what they have done. So what do I do? Do I keep my mouth shut? Do I let them live like they're living? Leave well enough alone and hope for the best? I can't do that. I was awake all night last night. I was awake all night. I've been awake for the last four nights, actually. Because I get things in my mind, and I cannot shut them down. Because I know what God has said. I know what the truth is. And sometimes I'm not so sure some of you do. For some people, Facebook is your worst enemy. 
Facebook teaches me what some think, what some say, what some believe. I don't like Facebook. That's why I don't read it. But there are people who send me parts of Facebook that I have to see. And then I can't sleep. Make no mistake about it. In the day of the judgment, we're not going to be judged because we're members of the Church of Christ. We're not going to be judged because we're good people. We're not going to be judged because we're so-and-so's husband or wife or child. You and I are going to be judged by the same standard, and that's going to be the Word of God, because Jesus said so. And I believe him. I, I believe him with all my being. I believe him. Whether I understand or not, whether I'm right or wrong, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that it is the will of God that will prevail in the end. And it's necessary to talk about things from time to time. Can you give me Second um, Peter chapter 2, verses... Uh, one and two should be well, good enough. Second Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. Peter, this was back early on in the church, you call. He said, there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in, bring in destructive heresies. They'll even deny the Lord who bought them. And they'll bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Now, the, the one thing I want you to get from this is this. There are false teachers. They're teaching something that is not true. But they're posing it as though it is true. They're teaching people that they need to live this way. And if, if you live this way, you, you, you'll be saved. But what they're saying does not harmonize with what Jesus said. Take, for example, one doctrine. The doctrine, by salva the doctrine of salvation by faith alone. Okay? One single doctrine most popular doctrine in the Protestant religious arena. Most every denomination subscribes to that teaching. But it's not true. People think it's true. Why? Because their, their preacher told them. And he, you know, he's a great guy. He, he's, a, he's an old man. He's a nice man. I just love him to death. And he said that salvation is by faith alone. And I believe him. My stepmother was that way. She was here one day and she heard me preaching. I come across baptism somehow, I don't remember. But she asked me uh, afterward uh, about what I said. She was a member of the Baptist Church over in uh, White County. And she said, uh, I was baptized, I was immersed in water at 
whatever the name of the church was. She said, that means I was baptized for remission of sins. I said, well, if you go swimming and you go underwater, you're immersed in water. But that doesn't mean sin is taken away just because you were immersed. In order to have sin removed, you have to be immersed in water for the right reason. And the final reason of being immersed properly is because it's to have sin removed. Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized for the remission of sins. Or, Acts 22, verse 16, to wash away your sins. The Bible clearly teaches that by baptism, for the purpose of taking away sin, the proper candidate's sins will be taken away when they are immersed in water. She said, that's what I did. I said, I know that's what you think you did, but that's not what you did. She said, what did I do? I said, you were baptized to join the Baptist church. She said, no, 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 that's not right. I said, I believe it is, because that's Baptist doctrine. I'm fairly familiar with it. And uh, she started to argue a little bit. And I said, won't you call your preacher? So she called her preacher, and she said, Brother so-and-so, when you baptized me, didn't you baptize me for remission of sins? He said, no, 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 no. That sounds like one of them Church of Christ just said that. She said, what you baptized me for? He said, that was uh, uh, outward act of inward grace. And in the process, she became a member of the Baptist church. That's why I told her it was. She got off the phone. She looked at me. She said, I need to be baptized for remission of sins. So we come back over here, and I baptized her for remission of sins. See, like the passage read a few moments ago, boy, it fit in pretty good, didn't it? Some people had been baptized according to John's baptism. What does that mean? They were immersed in water because John, the baptizer, taught people to be immersed in water. These people, sometime after the death and resurrection of Christ, they had a preacher come unto them, a fellow by the name of Apollos, I think. He come unto them, and he told them that they needed to be baptized according to John's baptism. And that's what they did. Paul asked them, he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, well, that's the reason you don't have the Holy Spirit. In order to receive the Spirit, you've got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul said that, they believed Paul. They did what Paul said. And you know what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. Because you've got to do what the Lord said for the right reason. And there's people listening. I hope there's a million of you out there. People are baptized as a, a, an outward show of an inward grace. That's generally what they're told. And in some cases, like the Baptist church, to join the Baptist church. But not for remission of sin. One day they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus in the day of judgment. And he's going to pull up the passages that deal with baptism for remission of sins. And he's going to tell them, you were not baptized for the right reason. You didn't do it because that's what I wanted you to do. You did what you did because that's what men wanted you to do. 
You put your trust in man and you didn't inquire of me. And what do you think the judgment will be? We're not special. We're not special. We're not better than other people. We're not going to get a pass where other people won't get a pass. We have to know what it is the Lord wants us to do. And then do it. Do it. Let's try 2 John 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. 2 John 1, 9, 10, and 11. This is, this is what I'm wanting to talk about. This is a very important passage. And it's one that has been violated by a number of people. And it bothers me. Be careful what you say on Facebook. Because you may show more than you want to show. Sometimes I see more than I want to see. Look at what John said. Whoever transgresses, transgresses means to cross sin the sign says stay off the grass and you walk across the grass anyway you know when I was a kid the surest way to get a kid to cross your grass was put up a sign that said do stay off the grass I guarantee you a kid's going to walk across that grass but that's known as a transgression when you cross the grass whoever transgresses John said and does not abide the word abide means actually to take up residence to 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 live in this way or not live in this way to make this the way you live okay whoever transgresses and does not live in live by the doctrine meaning teaching the doctrine of Christ this person does not have God. Now you got, you got to take a little time and, and digest everything John said there because it's a mouthful. Whoever violates the will of God and does not live in harmony with the teachings of Jesus Christ, this person is no friend of God. They think they are. In, John, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 3, when people were sentenced to a devil's hell, they said, Lord, look at all the things we've done in your name. We've done mighty works. We've been good people. How can, how can, you, how can you send us away? And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They thought they were doing right. They thought they were walking with the Lord. And come to find out on the day of judgment, they thought wrong. And because they thought wrong, they failed the test. We're not better than anybody else. We don't get high marks just because we live in the greatest state on earth. We're people. People who are diligently trying to walk with the Lord or not. 
if we are always well, if we're not, if something's amiss, we have a problem. Verse 10, now if a person comes to you, usually a preacher or a teacher. You see, back at that time, the Christians were being persecuted. This is towards the end of the, uh, the first century. Somewhere around 90, 94 AD. Uh, Christians were being persecuted uh, by the emperor of the Roman Empire. He was nuts, and he was he was out to destroy Christianity. Uh, and they were they were having to run. They were having to leave home and run for their lives, literally, run for their lives. So it wasn't uncommon for somebody to show up at your door one day, needing some food or, or, or needing a, a place to rest, a drink of water some kind of assistance. They might be 500 miles from home and they don't know anybody, but they know, they know, they learn, I guess, who the Christian peoples are. And because uh, they fancy themselves as a Christian as well, they, they find these Christian people and, and, and they trust that these Christians will help them out. Give them a place to sleep, something to eat. So from time to time, Christian would find somebody knocking on their door. I need you to help me. Can you please help me? Well, John said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, what I've just told you, what John is teaching, what is taught by the Son of God, if someone comes to you and, and they tell you, you can be saved by faith alone, that's not the doctrine of Christ. That's a human. That's a man doctrine. The doctrine of Christ is you're baptized for the remission of sins. And if somebody comes unto you and they say, you know, you can be saved just because you believed. I listened to a preacher the other day on TV, Billy Graham. And he said, uh, not Billy, his son. But he said, do you want to come to Jesus? If you do, all you need to do is, is believe. And if you believe, you pray to the Father this very simple prayer. And he uttered a prayer that took about maybe 15 seconds. He said, there, there. Now you're a Christian. Now you're a child of God. Now you've got access to all the blessings of heaven. But you know what? That wasn't true. That was not true. I wonder how many people prayed with him. How many people prayed with him and then believed that all was well? That now they're saved, but they weren't. John said, there's people like this out in the world. If anyone comes to you and they don't bring the doctrine that came from Christ, do not receive him into your house. Don't let him in your house. And don't greet him. By that he means as a brother. I used to work with a Baptist preacher back when I first started preaching. Dumber than a box of rocks. I was. He was a lot smarter than me. And uh, he used to tell me whenever he held a revival, which seemed to be almost every week, he would tell me, pray, pray for our revival. And I, I wouldn't say nothing. I liked him. You know, he was a, you know, he was a, strange little duck, but, uh, but I liked him very well. And I, I, I wouldn't say nothing, and this happened several times. 
And one time he said, pray for, for my revival. And I didn't say nothing, my custom was. And he come back and he said, how come you won't pray for my revival? I said, what makes you think I won't? He said, well, you didn't say you would. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't want to tell him I would because I wouldn't. And I didn't want to tell him I wouldn't pray for his revival because I didn't want him to get mad at me. I, I liked him. And I knew if I told him that, it might hurt his feelings and he might not like me. So I just didn't say anything. He said, how come you won't pray for my revival? And I just kind of looked at him. He said, you can't pray for my revival. I said, what makes you say that? Because you believe I'm wrong. And I said, well, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> that's true. I think you're wrong. And I can't pray for the success of your revival. When you get done with this revival, some people's going to be in worse shape than they were before they met you. Before they met him, they were looking for salvation. After they found him, they had salvation, which they really didn't have. But they thought they did because he told them they did. So these people who were once looking for salvation, they're not looking for salvation anymore because they think they've already got it. You understand? I couldn't pray for him, but I didn't want to tell him. But when he backed me into a corner, I didn't have any other choice. Uh, he didn't get mad at me. I don't think he ever felt the same towards me after that. But he didn't get angry or yell at me or anything like that. And then John makes the final statement. The person who greets this person. Godspeed. Had I told him Godspeed to you and your work. Or had I referred to him as brother. My brother in Christ. He who greets him, John said, shares in his evil deeds. Had I greeted him for what he was about to do, had I encouraged him, had I emboldened him, if I had praised what he was about to do, I would have been as guilty of sin as he was. My brothers and sisters, listen. Sometimes, sometimes, we want to make people feel good. And we encourage them for doing the wrong thing. Somebody I know, they, they joined a denominational church. I know this church teaches something contrary to the doctrine of Christ. I know that. And I call him up and I congratulate him for joining that church. Do you realize what I've done to that man? He was looking for salvation. He didn't like the salvation I taught. But he was looking for salvation. After he joined that particular group, he wasn't looking anymore. And when a person quits looking for salvation, you know what? They're not going to find it. When we encourage people, 
to follow a course that's not charted by the Son of God, we may be doing irreparable damage to that person. We're putting our Lord to an open shame by refuting what he said that there is only one way to eternal life and that is through him. Because we took it upon ourselves to open up another way. And we'll be judged for that. I could just ignore all these things. I could just never mention it. It never would hurt people's feelings then. But neither would it help people. And I don't think I'd get another night's sleep until I got it off my chest. It's not about us and them. It's about Jesus and me. That's what it's all about. Oh, I'm not better than anybody else. But I know what the Lord said. When it comes to being saved, I know exactly what the Lord said. I know what he wants because it's written in a book. And I know how to read. And I'm able to think. It's not about being better than anybody. It's about trying to do what's right. And sometimes it's hard to do what's right when we feel peer pressure. We do what we do because this is what people expect us to do. If you're not a Christian, by becoming a Christian, you commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You defend, you defend what he wants to the best of your ability as a Christian. But sometimes it's so hard. I've been, I've been tempted to avoid the truth on a number of occasions. At one time I thought I was going to die if I spoke the truth. And I thought, well, India's a good place to die as any other. But you never know. Never know. It can be hard. It can be so hard. But I think that the Lord, didn't he talk, didn't he say something about that? That being faithful to him would bring persecution and hardships? Isn't that the question he asked uh, uh, James and John when they wanted to sit on his right and left hand? Do you know what you're asking for? Are you prepared to be baptized with the suffering that you'll be baptized with if you follow me? Do you understand what you're getting yourself into? We get, we get, we get one opportunity to live 
with the Lord. There's no, there's no do-overs. Well, I wish there was. But there aren't any do-overs. Thank God we don't have to be perfect, though. We are to do uh, the best we're able to do and help one another as we strive to walk in the way. Don't be proud. Don't let pride mess you up. 